commentary, technology, preparedness, and pop culture. From Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken. I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one. And I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian. We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints. And feature guests with incredible and unique stories. We may see things differently. But in the end, this is... Still love love you, bro. Well, hey there, Chris. Hey, good good week. How are you? Good week? That's yeah. that's a that's a statement that I'm, I'm on vacation with. from my regular job. It is a good that's week. That's why it's a good week for you. Now your good week just started, but I've still got several days left to um, solve problems. Sad I, week for you. I mean, I don't think I've ever made a spreadsheet that I could look like across the room and think it was a picture of a patchwork quilt. You That's showed me that spreadsheet, and let me just say publicly, I've always been a spreadsheet wizard, but that is the most impressive, <laughs> sp- like, I bow to you, that that was impressive. I, I really think that anything that is more complicated than a few numbers equals X, I'm going to put in a spreadsheet. So I know, uh, and you probably had those colors changed based on the values in exactly. this, didn't you? I, yep. yeah. That's exactly what That's it awesome. was. That's so. awesome. Well, kudos to you. I, I wish our, our listeners could see that spreadsheet. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a work of art. Maybe we'll blur out the numbers and just make a like an Instagram post about it or <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it'll be hanging the at the quilt. soon. Yeah, there you go. We're gonna hang. I'm gonna hang it on my uh, wall. I'm gonna frame it. You I'm should. So proud of it. You should. Chloe suggested that, but if that anyway. doesn't get you a raise, well, I don't know what will. We'll see. Um, so, <laughs> apart from our work that you guys like to hear about every single time we start the show, um, we have an awesome guest here today. Alan. Um, Alan is actually the editor for the Nashville Retrospect, and those of you that live local um, in Nashville or around, you may have seen it. Uh, being sold on a newspaper stand, you may have actually been online, or you may be listeners to his podcast, which he uh, he does a video cast as well. Am I right, Alan? Yes, that's right. Yep. So um, he's actually here with us today. He wanted to come in. He listened to our show and was like, "Man, I'd I'd love to go talk about um, the history of Nashville and how the retrospect got started." And it's really interesting. So um, I guess kind of what I want to start with is, can you tell us the history of the Nashville retrospect, how it got started, what made you have this idea? Yeah, thank you. Well, first of all, thanks to you both for having me on on the show. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, I've been enjoying listening to the show, your, your guys' show. We so. really appreciate that. Um, the uh, yeah, the retrospect got started. We had been doing newspapers in Nashville and actually all around the South uh, for since 1987, and wow. um, or, around the time uh, 2008 when we had the economic crash or the recession, we started looking for other ideas that we might be able to do and. Um, it was around that same time that my uh, then wife and I bought a house in the Belmont uh, 12 South area, and it was a uh, hundred over hundred year old house. Wow, and wow. Uh, so the we had to start working on it, and I had to do research because that's in an area where you can't just do whatever you want to a house. It's yeah. a historic overlay, so you have to get permission to make. Oh, certain. so there's like laws to do renovations, yes, or yes, you, in this area on the outside of the house. That's mm-hmm. the historic committee that yes. regulates that, right? Yeah, the Metro Historical Commission okay. uh, mm-hmm. regulates that. And so, uh, if there are significant significant changes you want to make, you have to. Show them what you plan to do, and, and they say yay or nay, or do this or do it. So do you have to like have a drawing or something? Yeah, and, yeah. Wow. I think they they're they're they try to be accommodating on that. Um, right. You know, if you if it's a hand drawing, it doesn't it could be that it doesn't have to be an, an architectural like a, drawing. So, but their goal render. Yeah. yeah, their goal is to preserve history, though. So that makes sense. But do you, as a homeowner, do you have to opt in, or just the fact that you bought an older house meant that you had to follow these guidelines? You have to. It's a zoning. Restrictions, okay. so mm-hmm. you have to follow this law. In fact, an example of it on that same street, which is Dallas Avenue, um, 
somebody, a developer, got a little overzealous in his uh, renovation, and currently there is just the front facade of a house standing with the porch, and whoa. none of the rest of the house is Oh, I, I walked by that one day, and I saw that. I was like, yeah. whoa, what did they do? So the naked eye looks decorative. It, it looks like a, a Hollywood movie set Wow, or that's crazy. That's crazy. But anyway, it's got a stop work order, and they're having to... We're going to have to probably rebuild the house before they do the additional work that they had planned to do. Anyway, it, it's it's not too restrictive, but I wanted to make sure that we did it correctly. So I researched the house and I found out all this fascinating information about it. Um, while I was renovating the house, we took out uh, the mantles and I saw written on the walls of every mantle, there were four. They were all coal-burning fireplaces, the name Ryan. And I just thought, well, some guy in the 70s when they were putting paneling over all this decided to scribble his name. But when I got to the last one, we pulled it off and scrawled into the concrete around the fireplace was the name Ryan and the date uh, July 1907. And then there was a penny, uh, a 1902 penny or something. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. So um, there were, little things like that were really fascinating about the house. I found a report card from the teens. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> and the guy had, I think, a D in Latin, which may have been why it was hidden behind the mantle. Yeah. That's probably better than I would do in <laughs> Mom Latin. Mom and Dad never saw that one. Uh, there was a... a <laughs> Newspapers, like one of the chimneys just had newspapers and leaves stuffed up in it uh, because they weren't using it uh, by the time we bought it. Pulled one of the newspapers out, and it was a banner newspaper. And the headline was, Army Invades Pro-West Iraq. Wow. Hmm. So do you want to guess just the decade that was happened in? Pro-West Iraq. Was I, it, I, I, Army was, Invades Pro-West was, Iraq. Was that, can't be like the 70s, really? No. No. 50s. It was the 1950s. Wow. So this was when the army overthrew the monarchy, which was later overthrown by the Ba'athist regime. So anyway, it was you know this is 2007. We're still in the middle of we're still in the middle of Iraq, and here out of the chimney comes a headline out of Iraq. All of that uh, uh, led me to be get interested in local history. Uh, I found maps that showed streetcar lines that mm-hmm. ran down Belmont and on 12 South. Um, that's something that's forgotten about my generation. I, I really didn't know that there were streetcars in Nashville, but you know I, that was a fairly popular form of public transportation in a lot of cities, right? It was the, yeah, it was the f- form of public transportation. So mm. it was, they were kind of considered uh, streetcar suburbs because mm. you could get, you could go to work and come back and never, never have to get in a car. You'd just be in a streetcar. Wow. So that started in 1866 is when that started and it ended in, the 1940s, um, after the war, they pulled up the rails and and switched to buses. So the mm. battle you hear today going over public transportation in Nashville has its roots <laughs> going going way <laughs> really back. really far oh, back. Gosh. Wow, yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, that led to the uh, us. Um, all that is to say, once we started looking for another newspaper idea, I came up with this idea uh, for a newspaper that contained history. So it's got stories all across the 200 plus years of Nashville's history from old newspapers. And so that's what, that was what was in it. We stopped publishing it in December, 2020, but we still sell back issues uh, on, on the website. 
I'm going to say, I'm, I'm first off, I'm really excited about this. My grandfather, uh, before he passed in Colorado, was big on marketing, and he he loved newspaper. He gave me a a, 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 dish, a deep love for print media, and I've been sad to see all these newspapers that have closed. So uh, our, our studio audience can't see, but we we have been brought here a, a, a stack, stack of newspapers, yeah. and I'm just I'm reading this as we're talking. There's some amazing stuff in here. And I know you can get all this online. I think that's the sad thing is everybody wants this content online, but there's something to be said about picking up this paper and flipping through it and, and getting the ink on your fingers. And that's that's slowly dying, right? I mean, how many, I could probably name four or five print newspapers that have just vanished mm-hmm. in the last year, not just because of COVID, but listenership. So wh- where do you where do you see print media going? Yeah, that's a good question. It's like a pointed out earlier on the cover of our last issue, we had an article from 1991 uh, that says newspapers demise part of grim pattern. And this was about the Dallas Detroit Herald, I mean, the uh, uh, Dallas Times Herald going out of business. And so it had already started by then. And then, of course, by mid-90s, the internet kicks in uh, more and more. And um, there just becomes so many more options for not only obtaining news, but marketing businesses. Uh, so I don't, if newspapers can deliver news that you can't get other places, if it can provide a marketing avenue that you can't get in other places, then they'll, they'll survive. I think print media has, has a future, but it has to compete with a lot of other mediums now. That kind of sounds like what you guys had with the natural retrospect, because um, a lot of this stuff, you can't just Google you know, no. you can't find these you stories. You have to specifically know what you're trying to find in exactly. history. And, and I don't think there's a single, you know, wiki page of, of cool articles from Nashville that and, can be contained in you know, here. You I, know, I, I would pick up these every once in a while because I think for a while they were free, right? That's correct. And I would I would pick these up. I, they were in a restaurant I frequented uh, here in Lebanon. And uh, I, I would pick it up and I would read. It was almost, you know, what happened today back years and years ago. And you can't just, re- you can't replicate that kind of, um, surprise and wonder, and like I never would have looked for the story, but I read it here because it was presented to me. And this, I mean, this this takes you back in time. Like I'm I'm looking at this an article from 1927. And I just I feel the what the article's written about. I'm holding it in a piece of paper, yeah. and you know I feel like I'm reading an article from then. Um, you can't you can't find that on Google and. There's so much history that's that's lost. I think when you stop printing, not not just the fact that it's a physical piece. Well, of it's actually it's thankfully it's not completely lost. It's there, right? How did you find these stories? Correct. Yeah, it's there if you look, and it, it's it's honestly like a lot of things today. I mean, we talk about how or it is talked about. I think you guys have covered it about how polarized things are getting today politically. A lot of it is it's not so much that. There isn't the information there. It's just a willingness to look for it. Mm. So, uh, for example, um, there's a website called newspapers.com that you can subscribe to and have access to hundreds of newspapers all over the world dating back to the 1700s. Wow. You just have to take the time to do it and then want to read it. And the one thing I did with the retrospect is I, I did all the digging and you know, curating and editing what I thought would be interesting. So as a package, it made it easier for people to consume uh, that sort of information. But sure. if you have the willingness to go dig for it, it's there. Mm. And yeah. that, that's, that, that's just sitting at home. If, if you do what I did, which is get up and go down to the state library uh, in Nashville or the public library or Metro Archives, then you can find, you know, literally millions and millions of things 
to uh, look at from photographs to newspapers. I think this generation, though, if you say, you know, get up and go to the state archives or the library, the, the younger generation is like, what? No, I'm fine with my Google. And the other thing I really love just looking at this newspaper and, and the ones I've read, the headlines. I mean, the headlines are so they're written to make you look. They're written to make you get interested in the story, and they have to be written in very, a uh, very short number of words. And I, that's, I think that's an art that's been lost as well, because, you know, if you <laughs> go look at any news article, the title is literally a sometimes run-on sentence that tells you everything you need to know. Why would you want to read the article if it just restates everything? But these make you wonder about, like, one of these I'm looking at, this is the final issue. Um Holiday street peddlers abound. Like <laughs> that's just what I want to know. What are these holiday street peddlers? Why are they there? Old men get some teeth before you go account a courting. Is that what it's called? I mean, like that's that makes you want to read the story. And and the stories aren't super long. They're they're just they're just what you need. If you want to read deeper, you can go to the next page. I mean. I feel like I'm a kid discovering newspaper for the first time, but that's that's really how I feel. <laughs> I'm a photo junkie too, so I'm 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 gonna be really excited to look at these photos because you I mean it just puts you back in in that time where you know I missed. I mean, there's a lot of the history that when I look at this, I'm like, wow, it would have been cool to at least be an observer in that time, if I could time travel yeah. and just watch. Um and on that same vein, I'm I don't mean to put you on spot and test your knowledge, but you know, they say history repeats itself. And you know, looking at your vast knowledge of of the Nashville history and culture, do you see any kind of patterns, like things that you've written about or you've discovered um, that are similar to what happened, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, to what's happening now in Nashville? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there that's what m- makes this sort of research interesting is is the what is similar and what is radically different. And um, I don't know if this exactly answers your question, but <clears throat> I feel like there's a a problem with people taking the time to to know what has happened in the past because it's difficult to know where we are now if we don't know where we've been. And that applies to everything from uh, how women have been treated to race relations to pollution even. Like there's, Mm. I give you an example. I'd say most people today, now my father remembers it, but, uh, you know, Nashville is situated in a basin and, Smog used to be a real, real problem. Even in the 70s, uh, there would be times uh, up into the 80s where you could, driving into Nashville, you could not see it. There would be so much smog. And smog, of course, for those who don't know, is a combination of smoke and fog. So when they were burning coal, mostly, it was particularly bad. Well, an example of that, I ran an article from 1941 where a train was pulling into Nashville and stopped. They had trouble seeing signals in the signal yard. Hmm. So as they got into Nashville, they stopped. And one of the engineers was looking out uh, out of the train to see where they were, and he heard someone scream. So he steps out. Well, he screams. So two of the engineers had fallen 40 feet from off of a viaduct onto the street below. This is at 10th and Joe Johnson downtown, uh, and laid there for an hour before somebody found them. Both survived. But that gives you an idea of how thick it was. They could not see the ground standing on a train. And And they thought they were stepping onto solid ground. Good grief. Yeah. Wow. So, so, and I, uh, 
you guys have heard of Mrs. Grissom's, I'm assuming. She used to make the pimento cheese and yep. the potato salad. And is that a Nashville brand? Yes, it is. I no interviewed kidding. her years ago. Oh, wow. So that is a real her. person. It was, yeah. She's since wow. passed. But uh, I interviewed her, and she, does she, I think, was in Knoxville where she lived, but she described coming to Nashville was so dirty. Now, this, I think, was in the 30s and 40s. was so dirty that she wasn't allowed to wear her white gloves. Because anything she wow. touched would get, you know, a soot on it. So anyway, when and so I think those sort of things are important to know that how far we've come. That doesn't mean there's work to do in sure. any of these issues that we're talking about. But it, it's it's wrong to assume that things now are how they've always been. We mm-hmm. really need to look back and understand the past. And I think that goes back to I think we was it last episode we talked about something like that. I think I was bringing up a story. Um, about there was someone complaining on Twitter about uh, about some it was these Billie people. Eilish. Okay, yeah. So uh, no, it wasn't the apology thing. It oh, was it was um, there was a there was a uh, a, a theater and a, and a director or I think it was a movie actually. So someone made a movie. The director was um, I think it was a uh, Asian. It was an Asian director, and he had done this movie about the plight of of uh, of these this group. They were all Asians, and everybody in this movie was Asian. Well, they got attacked on Twitter because they weren't dark enough Asians to represent. <laughs> and and I was like, it, what was interesting to me is usually you would just hear, you know, maybe the conservative side coming out and calling out this crazy stuff. And I I, I think it was oh it was Bill Maher that's who it was. So um, Bill Maher on his show um, he talked about this issue and he said uh, my my favorite thing I've heard from him so far is um, don't get progressive itis. He's talking about people who are so, you know, gung-ho to move forward or to move move forward on issues, they forget how much we've moved forward. They forget how far we've come in a lot of those issues. So, and I think that's what you just said is a great example of that. And so I it's cool how we can tie those back to different things. And I you have a great um view of all these things because like like uh, Chris just said, you have you have seen all these different times in history looking through these articles and what were what people were worried about at that time and i bet it's interesting to be able to look ahead and at current issues and see you know are we thinking about the same things are we worried about the same issues and and how those have changed and i'm fascinated i'm i'm looking at one of these articles about um uh, segregation and th- this article is from 1957 about reintegration this is really cool to to look because you know i'm i'm a big civil rights activist and Segregation was not that long ago. I mean, when no. you look at the history, it has not been that long since we took half of our population and pushed them aside. Um, and and I think going back to you know history repeating itself, um, I, I think we're probably going through something similar with with other um, you know groups of people. Um, so it's interesting to watch. It's interesting interesting to read these articles and see where we've been. And, um, you know, we're pushing so hard, but there are, there are still some, some, you know, laws that are coming out that are essentially segregating kids or, or pulling them out. But this is, this is really cool to look back. And, and a see. lot of it is, it's almost shock to look back and see, you know, the, not just how the, how the, what the stories are about, but how they're written, the, the verbiage they use. It's, you know, I've read some that I'm like, wow, I can't believe that was okay. <laughs> I, and it's, it's, it's really, I had a friend who's, he's African-American and he lived, um, you know, in Nashville during this. And he would tell me stories of like going places and the things that would, that they're said to him. And I'm like, that's, I mean, it's tacky. Like it makes me feel embarrassed just even hearing it. Yeah. 
And that hasn't been that long ago. No. That's what's amazing. I was to say, what's crazy about that is like my grandma, I always remember the story that she told me and she told me, and it, it tells like the innocence of children in that time because she was a, she was a young girl when that, when all of this was kind of happening, she wasn't quite, she was probably like middle school age. And she would tell me all the time that she would be like running on the sidewalks and, um, you know, she didn't care what color the other girl's skins were because she didn't like know that that was a thing and it would be like the adults that would push the color kids off the sidewalks and stuff and she wouldn't understand why and she'd like go to help them like get up and get back on the sidewalk and the girls would like try to not like have her no, help yeah. her and it just shows like they can get in trouble yeah it just shows time. the innocence of like the children yeah. in that time too so yeah and i think that's something that uh that I've learned, uh, you know, if, if we talk, focus on the issue of race for a second, um, you know, when I started this newspaper, I, I had a fairly good understanding of some of our history and some of our civil rights history and some of how race relations had been throughout the decades. But I really didn't know, really, until I really started reading the accounts and going through each step of the way, like we talk about the civil rights movement, usually we think the 60s, you know, or the or the 50s when, you know, when the school is being integrated, the parks are being integrated, uh, uh, Brown versus the Board of Education passes and schools mm-hmm. have to be integrated. Right. But before that, there was, there was civil rights battles. There was in Columbia, Tennessee in 1946, there was what's now called a race riot. But um, a, 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 a veteran... Uh, who was African-American, was trying to protect his mom from a a guy downtown. A fight ensued. It turned into a a, a really, really bad thing where I forget how many 40-something people were arrested and jailed. Uh, But this guy was a veteran standing up for his mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you go before that, there are civil rights, uh, there there are steps all the way back. It it just goes, you you get into the 1830s and uh, you you have things that are happening in in race relations. This is so I just skipped the entire Civil War, which was uh, you know uh, centered on that issue. Mm-hmm. So you know it's there's so much there that's not done. You know you probably see in the news uh, lately things about critical race theory and that. Uh, there's without going into it, there's a lot about that that I think is wrong, but an aspect of it that I think is. Uh, probably correct, I don't know exactly what they're saying about it, is there is a lack of knowledge generally about race relations in the past. And I, I'll tell you this, I'm sorry, didn't mean to cut you no. off you off there, but um, the uh, I took a course in college and it was called Diversity in America. Diversity in America, excuse me. I'm excited about this. You can tell because I'm talking fast. Um, but, and, and I'm, <laughs> as Chris was describing earlier, I'm reared up in my seat, you know, shaking the table. Um so this class, I think, was if I could take one class in my entire college career, it would have been this one, because you know I grew up and I was really naive to everything uh, that that was going on and 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 uh, everything that w- had happened in the past, and it kind of made me, I don't know, callous to some of these issues. And this class, um, they did not. It wasn't like some political thing. And you know, I would tell you if it was like the conservative guy in the room. I would tell you if it was if I felt like it was liberal propaganda or anything like that. No, it wasn't. It was literally history on starting from the beginning, before there were African American slaves in the United States. It started with what slavery was before African Americans were here, before the United States, and how it changed and why African Americans 
um, were in the spot that they were in when we started having all these issues with slavery, and it was only African Americans. And um, it moved all the way up until modern day. And I never once got any education on any of that in the public school system. I, I not not one iota of history of diversity in America, of race in America, and and all we got was you know the typical. You know, the Indians were here and the U.S. government moved them over here and then we had fights and blah, 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 blah. And then we had the civil rights movement. We and skip over the whole thing. It goes right thing. to Rosa Parks yep. and then, and then it's, it's finished. Yep. And we don't get any background and there's no understanding. So you know what happens with that? You have people that were like me that just read the chapters and got it over with and had no understanding or no um, uh, ability to make judgments based upon the past. And then you've also got people that have such a small... Um, uh, collective understanding of it that they have, they develop. I don't know how to say this. They develop ideas that either make them angry or they feel um, disenfranchised. They feel like they're lesser or they're unable to succeed because of these things that they're uh, that they're showing them. And they're not showing them the whole picture. Sure. And I think if everyone had a clear picture of everything that happened with. Um, the journey that the United States has gone through with the issue of race, and and we didn't just talk about African Americans. We talked about um, we talked about Asian Americans. We talked about uh, the Chinese and the Japanese, and they were treated treated differently. We talked about um, the Irish immigrants, and it, it was really it was amazing. And because I I felt like that I had a great idea of what happened, and I had no clue, not one. It sounds like curriculum that should be in public schools. Yeah, sure. And and you know I think right now. Critical race theory is a very hot topic among conservatives and liberals. Um, you know, liberals may say this is we need all of it, we need it all now, and conservatives say no, we need to get rid of it all. We don't even need to talk about it. I think this podcast has done a great job at arriving somewhere in the middle on most issues. And I just, through my own personal experiences, I think you know what we do need to teach something. We need to at least have a history of all this. You can't and, erase history by ignoring it. Right. And and I was going to say earlier, in talking to my friend who went through the civil rights movement, he described one day, which really set it home for me, he went to a restaurant. And when he was allowed in, he had to go to a very specific place that had a sign that designated that that's where you know he and his family would sit and could order only specific things. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and up until now in my life, I've I've never went into a restaurant and had to look for a sign to tell me where I could sit. Yeah, and that is when I stopped to really think about what he had been through. And and I want to ask you, you're you're our you're a professional historian here, right? Um, you know, we try to to erase the bad deeds that we've done by erasing history. You, they they try they're they're removing statues. They're they're trying to you know change the names of buildings. So, from your perspective, um is that how you preserve that history? You know, is this, is this something where you erase it, you put it in an archive and let people read about it? Or should things like this stay, um, you know, should statues stay up? Should buildings be named that way? And we teach what the history of, where do you see that? Well, that, uh, you know, that depends to, to me personally, now this is outside of history, just from my own personal uh, political perspective, it depends on what prop, what the pro, who owns the property, and uh, that's where I would start. If it's private property, then they get to put up whatever statues they want to put up. But on public land, it becomes it does become a public issue, and I think some of that history should be in a museum. It should not be erased, but having it on public property, depending on who it is, 
uh, it does say something about what the government is supposed to represent. So you just imagine that you're in a group that that particular person may have uh, uh, advocated for the persecution of or the suppression of. You can imagine, like, I don't think that that guy to be there. The question is, is that what they were known for? Is it part of what they were known for? We can come up with a specific example. During the George Floyd uh, protest downtown, they toppled the uh, Carmack statue that stands to the side of the state capitol downtown. Um, I, I thought that was wrong. Like, it should not have been done that way. But honestly, that's a statue that should be in a museum. It should not be in front of the... Uh, of the Capitol because of what that guy stood for. Uh, and he was known for it, uh, in particular in relation to lynching. And um, he, he, he was actually went head to head with Ida B. Wells, who was an African-American journalist uh, based in Memphis. And, you know, she was literally ran out of town from in Memphis and had to seek refuge in Chicago. He used to run a newspaper in uh, Memphis. He came here to run the Tennessean. Um, so, you know, it's that sort of thing. I think there's a way to address it, but it requires that we know this history first and then say, hey, you know, what's, how did that, why is it there? How did it get there? Should it be somewhere else and not on public property? I, you know, and I've, I'll be honest, I try to stay out of a lot of those things right now because um, it stresses me out. And there's a lot of issues that I still have. Everyone's opinion changes as they get older, as they, um, as they learn new things, you know, I just talked about the whole um, diversity in America thing, and that changed a lot of my opinions. Um, I still have some cognitive dissonance when it comes to the statue issue because, you know, I I, I come from a side of things where uh, a lot of the people that I know they're proud not not of the racism of the Confederacy, but they're proud of the history. You know, it's it's almost like you're rooting for a ball team. Uh, if your if your great great grandfather served in the Confederate Army and he didn't have any slaves, and but he fought because he felt like the you know the the North was encroaching on their states' rights because you know yes slavery was a large issue and it was probably the primary issue of of the Civil War, but if you look at it on a grander scale, it was an issue of states versus the federal government and. We can get into this all day, but my my whole point of this is is it means different things to different people. Now, I think it's I think we're going over the line when I think Congress right now is talking about removing some of the presidential busts from the White House because they served in the Confederacy or because they had slaves. How far are we going to go? I mean, you know, George Washington, most of the initial founding fathers were they were racist. They had slaves. You know it. it I don't think that we need to focus on the sole bad things that people do to decide whether or not, because ne- no one's perfect, you know. And and I think we talked about this um, last episode, Chris, about you know we have such a document, uh, like a, a high fidelity documentation on our entire lives right now with Facebook, with Twitter, whatever social media you're on. Well, let's say you grew up to do a amazing thing and people decide at the time in that culture that you're in to erect a statue of you and for what you contributed. Well, 20, 30 years later, someone comes and reads a Facebook post that you had when you were 16 years old and decides, well, uh, we can't have him here because he he did this to this group that we're worried about at this time and we're going to have to take a statue down. Now yeah, most of the people that are going to care aren't going to be alive anymore, but at the same time there may be 
a lot of people that liked you, liked your history, were history buffs on you, and they find that offensive or they find that they don't like that, so they're going to resist it. It's a very touchy issue. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing, and and um, we got to be really careful because I, I we're so divided right now. I'm afraid that continuing to do divisive things because even though a lot of people agree with removing these busts and removing these statues, there's a lot of people who don't, and they may not have a logical reason or they may not have a well-calculated reason to do so, but that doesn't matter. They don't want to do it. And that's going to cause conflict. Yeah. And you're not, I mean, there's no happy medium. You don't cut it in half and say half of it's gone for you, but you can't let that history be lost. It has to be preserved. And, and, you know, if if it's removing a statue, but, um, you know, presenting the the story of of that person, then so be it. You can't lose that. Uh, And going back to history, I want to go back to the newspaper era real quick, because you mentioned something earlier. I remember as a kid, there was the Nashville Banner, and then there was the Tennessee, and I don't know the order that they came, but I remember, I guess years ago, I, I had a friend in, in um, that I grew up with whose father was a reporter for the Nashville Banner, and then um, I remember a commercial, and I, I can't tell you why this is stuck in my head, but they <laughs> ran a commercial on TV after they merged, I guess, and it was always ending in the Nashville Banner and the Tennessean. Um, and I will sing it off the air. I'm not going to sing it on, on the air. Oh, I sing so, all the time, Chris. Do you Are you familiar with the history of the Nashville Banner and the Tennessean and th- that yeah, era of print yeah, media? Yeah, it's, it is fascinating. Um, they were one of the first – they're competing newspapers. One was conservative, one was liberal. And these were started – I mean, the same time period. Well, right? they were started separately, independently. I mean, there was a time in Nashville's history when – Daily papers, there might have been four or five. Okay. Uh, a German one. There was an African-American one, the Nashville Globe, for many years. I don't think it ever was a daily. But um, that was the f- main form of communicating, you know. So it, it, there were, was a lot more newspapers to choose from. But it, it over the decades, came down to the Tennessean and the Banner. And um, the... the um, and they, they were, I mean, it's funny because you go back and look, and I'm calling the Tennessean conservative, but if you go back and look at it in the 50s, and it doesn't seem very conservative, you know, by today's standards, but compared to the banner, it was. But what they decided to do that was unique is to combine their printing operations. So they had this situation where down on Broad Street, there was the building that's been torn down in the last year, where you had the banner on one side of the hallway and the Tennessean on the other side of the hallway. And th- those were competing editorial departments, literally competing. Literally, there was a guy caught with a crowbar opening a desk to steal a story. Whoa. <laughs> the, those <laughs> are like classic espionage right here. Those yeah, are right. the links. And they Papergate. also. Uh, Papergate. <laughs> uh, and there was a clock on the outside of the building. And, you know, there was this debate over. They like saving times. One paper was for it one way, the other. So they had two times on either That's side insane. of the clock. Wow. <laughs> uh, but they did share printing and distribution, which was done downstairs in the same building. So the guys down in the in the workroom with the single printing press are getting along, printing like two different papers, and then you have the you know bobbleheads upstairs like competing and stealing stories. That's yes. awesome. And then as you know, we just talked about the demise of newspapers, the banner until lasted until nineteen ninety eight and then it, it went under. So now we have just the Tennessean. Wow, but they so they weren't really necessarily merged. They just printed out the same. They okay. just printed, and, and I, I can't remember when that. It happened a long time ago, like maybe the '30s or '40s. But interestingly, you know, we're talking about some about polarization and politics. One, the one was blatantly liberal. One was 
blatantly. Like it was wore it on their sleeves. And they, I've talked to a reporter. In fact, I interviewed Larry Brenton for a couple of my podcasts. Street Talk is that? Yeah, that. Guy, oh Larry wow. Brenton. Yeah, he was a, he was a crime reporter. He started working for the Banner in 1950s, uh, early mid 50s, and covered some of the biggest stories in Nashville's history. Wow. He was fantastic to listen to his stories. He wrote for the paper for he wrote over 100 stories for the newspaper about the stories that he covered. Uh, from civil rights to famous murders to uh, corruption. Uh, one story involved him literally turning in his own editor for taking bribes. <laughs> You're kidding me. Uh, from awesome. a charity organization, yeah, to give them positive coverage. But he'll also tell you that the guy he worked for, uh, who was named Stallman, uh, there were certain things. You did not touch the Boy Scouts. You did not touch Vanderbilt University. You did not touch the Navy because— that's where he was associated with. Those were just off limits. And so mm. the banner would not cover the civil rights movement in detail because it was against their policy. They, they, the Stallman thought that the civil rights movement would just sort of vanish, evaporate. And he was kind of against it, but he was also afraid of it. There were guns kept in the newsroom. Uh, Larry was required to carry a helmet and a bulletproof ve- or a vest of some sort in the, in the trunk of his car. Wow. Uh, they Jeez. literally thought that the newsroom was going to be invaded by protesters and taken over. That's how tense that that's, situation that's such was. such a scary, like, parallel to today. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I literally, oh my gosh, thinking of the... itself. Yeah, thinking of all the, the shopkeepers that, you know, they arm up and they, you know, try to bar up their shop with these protests that have been going on. And I mean, that's insane. To yeah. Me. And of course, then they were wrong. I mean, now right. obviously there's, there's, there's certain things going on that are more violent, but at that time it was sit down protest in the streets. It was March from this location right. to this location. It was intentionally nonviolent. To that get, was the yeah, purpose. Of, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, but this is so early in the movement, this, this these people didn't know how to no, they had no idea. What they it was were they be, were afraid yeah. of it, and or if they could see us now. Yeah, wow. like what it, protest has really changed, huh? It really has. It means something completely different today. I but. went to a protest. Um, it was um, Bush was president, and he came to Nashville, and there was a huge pro. And I went just to, to photograph it, and really, it was my first one. And there were just a bunch of hippies, and yeah. they were banging drums, and they were having a good old time. And I took some they great had signs, and yeah. And yeah. I didn't once think that in, at any moment, you know, they would knock over a sign or bust out a window. You yeah. know, and that was the '90s, like late '90s. And then, wow, if times changed. I mean, it's just it's that's the acceptable label now. When you hear protest in this city, you expect to see pictures of things on fire and and burning. And I, I, to me, that's a riot. I almost, I, I really wonder if that's going to have a really negative impact because we're blurring the lines here you know shouldn't shouldn't peaceful protest have an edge as far as coverage against violent ones because they to me they mean more yeah if sure. you're talking about a, a group that believes in what they um well, believes in what they believe in <laughs> they, they're so passionate about what they believe in that they're willing to go and put themselves out there and not hurt people they're they want to they want just people to win them over by the masses, by the words that they have to say. And I think what's happened, though, is is the marginalized communities who have, have stood by peacefully and, and waved those banners are not being heard. And so the way that they feel they, that they're heard is to start getting louder and to start getting tougher and to start throwing that message. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that busting a window out of a hat shop is, is maybe how you do that, but I, I think that's how they feel is that, you know, we've been peacefully protesting 
for a long time and nothing's changing. So we've got to amp it up. We've got to turn up the volume. We've got to be louder. And I think what happened is we we may have skipped a step there and, and went right to, you know, busting out windows and One catching fire. One or two fires. steps, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, it's escalated. But when you're, when you're a marginalized person who's not being heard, you know, about things, then that's the next progression is you want to make sure you're heard. Well, here's, here's where I think we have a division. And that is, you know, are these people, and look, I'm not going to say that there is no racism in the United States today. I'm not going to say that people aren't, disenfranchised or that people starting out in different locations and different um, in different communities with different income levels. I'm not going to say that those people are, are on the same level as me or, or any other people that are higher than me. They're not. And that that's a problem that we need to deal with. Um, but I feel like, and this can tie back into the whole critical race theory thing. I feel like that we're almost indoctrinating people to believe that they're marginalized. I think that we, um, the media today and and maybe even um, the way things are taught, people are told maybe by their parents that, hey, this is you can't go anywhere or you're going to have to fight because of this, because of your the color of your skin. You're going to have to fight because of the color of your skin. You're going to have to do this. This is how it actually is. And people believe it and they stay that way because, you know, if you believe you are something, you know, if you plan, if if, if you plan to be marginalized, you will find it somewhere. You will you will look around your surroundings and say, "Oh, that's what it is. I know it's always been here, and that's what it is." And you know, you can put off some failures of your own self to um, uh, chalk it up to that kind of marginalization. You know, and we talked about this with one of our previous guests, and I've talked about it with our friend. And so, and they mentioned that too that they were told, you know, you, you got to be careful, watch the police. But those are parents who, if sometimes if they don't tell them that, then that child may not come back home, and that that's kind of how the parents feel about that. So that's a that's a solution that I don't think we're ever going to have, and we don't want to get you know deep into into that topic again. Yeah, I guess it's um, a you know a perception thing. You know what I do is we're we're this is certainly going to be a long episode, and we're cool with that. Thanks for still staying in there and listening to us. <laughs> what I want to ask you though is. Is there anything, if you look back at, at everything you've written, because I'm, I'm sure it's a filing cabinet in there, is there any one story that you could pull out that was your favorite to learn or your favorite to write about or the one thing that just stands out in your mind about Nashville or the history that you've written about? Well, there is. It, it, the interesting thing about it, though, is it's not very historical. In other words, it doesn't tie any, to any bigger issues or anything like that. But um, I ran a story about a, a 1956 Christmas Eve, a a photographer for a newspaper, he was freelance at the time, was driving across the bridge downtown that is now the pedestrian bridge, uh, the Singenthaler Pedestrian. It used to be the Shelby Street Bridge. And um, it was a little snow, he's spitting snow, and he sees this woman standing by the rail. She's got a bundle of something. Well, he notices that it's a baby just before she jumps over the oh, rail wow. into the river. And um, he jumps out and starts taking pictures. Uh and she, the the story goes on from there. I, I don't want to tell or spoil a whole story, but there were two. There's a building there still there today. That's called the Bridge Building. Well, that was the Nashville Bridge Company. They built bridges and barges and ships actually during World War II. Um, and there were two men working there who noticed uh, the commotion and went down. One of them, a man named Jack, uh, Jack Knox Jr., ended up jumping in to save the child. And did so, handed it 
to the other person wow. who was uh, Harold Hogue. And then he ends up going back to help save the woman. Now, this story, I'm not doing it justice, but I ran that story in the paper. And then within days, the baby called me. I was about to ask. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's awesome. And I got the whole rest of the story, the whole, whole, the whole thing that happened the rest of her life, um, what happened to her mother. Um, and then uh, later than that, um, I, I happened to know someone who worked at the bridge building. And she called me one day and said, you're not going to believe she got to get down here. One of the guys who helped save the child is You're here. kidding me. So I, I ran down there and met Harold Hogue. And uh, interviewed him, so it it's so I so I ended up being in the story. It culminates with me giving a presentation about river stories. That one is in it. Uh, the baby and Harold are in the audience, and she presents him with a watch uh, for wow. savings. I, so that is it has to be my favorite. Again, it doesn't tie in the, to anything necessary historical, but uh, I ended up doing a podcast about it. And uh, at NashvilleRetrospect.com, if you scroll down, there's a podcast button. But I interviewed everyone who I could about it, so you can hear them tell the story, not me. That's a, I was just going to say, yeah. like, I hope that's online somewhere because I'm Googling that as soon as the show's that's over. A that's a once-in-a-lifetime awesome. thing. Like, that is just absolutely amazing that you found yourself in the middle of that. Like, Did, wow. And I don't want to spoil this for the audience because go check out NashvilleRetrospect.com. Uh, I, I got the domain, right? Yes. Na NashvilleRetrospect.com. Did the child know i mean growing up did did the child know that no. you know they came out she of the did. river the, in fact um you know she spent time away from her mom for a while who was manic depressive and um and around christmas they would not take the newspaper because the story would be revisited wow because no it, way. it made national attention yeah it, yeah. it appeared and i looked it up i on newspapers.com and it appeared in stories uh, in newspapers all across the country. It was kind of like a Christmas miracle story because yeah. it's it's Christmas Eve when mm -hmm. this happens. Mm -hmm. uh, people wake up on Christmas Day and read the story. Um, so she didn't know until later in life uh, her, her her mother tells her in a fit of anger and then she goes to look up the story and guess who's there while she's looking it up? Larry Brenton. Oh, he, wow. he was there because at that time the archives were the newspaper itself. So she went to the newspapers and they showed her the stories. Wow. That's, that's gotta be cool. You have I, got, I, I just, I'm going to listen to it. You, you guys have got to listen to it because I know you're, <laughs> I mean, I wish you could tell us the story right here, but I know you've, you've got, um, got it all done up well and well scripted yeah, yeah, and all and the it's, interviews it's and much, it's going to make it it's amazing much better to, to hear to, them, yeah. hear them talk about it. Now for the rest of the story. Right. I right? know. He says, that's what I was go, wanting to say this whole time. It's I like, got to have a good segue. And now you've that. heard the, the rest, rest of, of the story. story. That's one of the best ones right there. So that's yeah. Crazy. And Chloe, you had, you had something you wanted to ask. Yeah. This is just something about obviously right now with the pandemic and everything we just went through. Um, obviously, having the retrospect during the pandemic because it wasn't until December that we really went online and things like that. Um, how much similarity was there to other events and things like that to the pandemic and things in the early 1900s and with polio and things like that? How much of that was somewhat similar? Cause it seems like it would be almost. Yes, you're right. There, there was a lot of similarities and I, and actually reading about it, I've, I, and it's why I think we ought to read about race and gender and 
politics, and we, we really benefit from knowing these things because it's not the first time it happened. It, it, it's probably happened before in some form or other, and, and we can learn from that. In relation to pandemics, uh, yeah, Nashville has a long history of pandemics, and during it, uh, this we were still publishing the newspaper at the time. You can see one of the headlines here, Vaccine 90% Effective. That was 1950, I think, and that was for the polio vaccine, 1955. Hmm. So that, that, was the, that was the headline that they put at the time. And it wasn't until I started doing this newspaper that I knew much about polio. Well, we don't have to think about it. We've got the benefit. But there was a time when most everyone knew someone who'd been stricken with polio. And they were either on an iron lung or have to use crutches or something because it affected the muscular uh, uh, system. Then there, you go back far enough in, in the 1870, 1873 specifically, we had a horrible uh, epidemic of cholera. And at the time, it was known what caused it, but there were, it hadn't quite become common knowledge. So right. it, it was spread through contaminated water, but people still thought it might be fruits and vegetables. So they hmm. like, in Nashville, the mayor banned watermelons. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, would, they also thought it might be spread through what was called miasma, which is the idea that all smell could contain a disease. So they would burn buckets. I've heard of that before. Yeah, they would burn buckets of tar. In, that's like in the street when oh during during the the black plague and they had the that's what those big beak looking um plague doctor masks yeah. were for they would stuff herbs and and good smelling flowers in there to, the to try to filter out the bad smell which they thought was causing so disease. i guess you know when you look at history repeating itself when when we're faced with a pandemic the first thing that the government needs to do is just make assumptions and start banning things for public health. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if we're, we have something, you know, affecting people, let's stop watermelon or, you know, we have a virus that's, that's, you know, causing oh, these issues. Wow. Let's stop going in, into restaurants. So, I mean, I guess that knee jerk reaction is there comparison. because public safety and public health have to come first. And so if, if, if you're given just very limited information at the beginning of a pandemic, you find yourself banning watermelon or yeah. burning oil in streets or, yeah. you know, let's, no, let's not go to the restaurants. Yeah, I mean— So, I mean, yeah. I guess that's, that's just how it happens. Well, yeah. it's, even, it's even wherever you are regionally because, like, even just talking about the pandemic that, we're, that we are in right now still, currently. Um, like, I've been in Kansas this whole time. Our, our listeners know that. The rules and things and things that we were doing there are completely different than what we were doing here. And that's the same I was going to mention earlier about anything with history, like— I've realized being, you know, Jess and I being together for a while that he learned a completely different history than I did yeah. um, because of the, of where I'm from and, and where it is. And so it's just, it's different everywhere and it's not, you know, one source of somebody saying it's the same, which is something that's interesting to me because everything's different wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, uh, in relation to the pandemic, I think the thing that connects to today as much as anything is just having a respect for science because that you know, the, it was discovered in 1854 what caused what spread cholera. They knew, but by 1873 in Nashville, we're still burning buckets of tar in the street. We're also burning bed sheets and spreading lime where the infected, which was good, but we're also doing other stuff that was not good. And so I think that's you can find that 
throughout history and throughout Nashville's dealing with pandemics. Like washing boxes <laughs> from Wash. Amazon. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've, you yeah. know, I've, I've seen people, I've, I'm not going to lie, at the very start of this, when they said it could spread on services and cardboard, mm-hmm. yeah. I shop Amazon, so I'm not going to lie. I have sanitized my shopping boxes when they came because <laughs> I didn't know that was the information I was well, presented with. And, you know, it's interesting to me because you just talked about how they discovered um, that what caused cholera, you know, tens of years um, before they were burning tar in Nashville to stop it. And I think it's a good illustration of the speed that news moves. Yeah. And, you know, back then it took a long time for, for knowledge to spread across the masses. Whereas now it's almost instantaneous. And, you know, while that has its benefits, I also think there are a lot of negatives that can come from it. And I think I, that's, I think with the whole need, some of these things with knee jerk reactions with COVID, some of them were not reacting soon enough, et cetera. So yeah. I, I think that's it's an interesting comparison to draw. Well, and I, I think the the key there, the connection is the, the internet. The speed of it is really important, and the vastness of it. There's really no excuse for not knowing something, yep. or, or not looking into an issue. You ha- and so it it doesn't boil down to is it available. It boils down to are do do people respect reason enough to want to investigate it? Do they care enough to want to get at the truth, no matter what their personal feelings may be about it? it and yeah. that's the problem. And that, and that ties into history too. Like people maybe th- feel threatened by the issue of race. Well, they just need to look about it, learn it. You got to at least know it before you can, you know, come to major conclusions about it. It's I really think. easy to look at the headline and click share, you yeah, know, and is. not look deeper into it. Yeah, so. it is. We miss content. Wow, Alan, we really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. This has been Thank so great. Uh, tell our listeners just real quick where they can find your newspaper. Uh, and, and what it's about, what all's there. Yeah, at NashvilleRetrospect.com, we, we have 138 back issues of the newspaper. So we're still selling those. There's a free newsletter you can sign up for at the website. It comes out twice a week where you're getting some new information. I'm still digging through old files and still putting things out there. And we're, we're starting a new video steer, series. So the two we've done, you can learn about uh, Fort Negley uh, and and why that's there and what the importance of it. And the most recent one is about, get this exciting topic, water works and sewer systems. Wow. I know that sounds great. But Something you never think about. But the, if it, it's more exciting than you think. I mean, have you ever heard of a night soil scavenger? If you don't know what that is, if you listen to the, watch night the video, scavenger. you'll learn. Interesting. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for, you, uh, for reaching out and offering to come on the show. I appreciate, I mean, appreciate love, it. I love having you here. So thank you, Alan. Yeah, thank sure. you. Guys. We're going to take a short break. This is Still Love You, Bro. I'm Chris. I'm Jess. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Still Love You, Bro. This is Chris. Hey, it's Jess over here. What a neat first hour. This is going to be a long episode, but what a neat and first hour. And we probably could have kept recording because we we actually had a proper break this time. <laughs> because between that small section or commercial, whatever you just listened to, we had about an hour and a half of conversation with Alan and Chloe and talking about all of our different experiences and Man, you know, we could have recorded that. I, it's you know. almost a second podcast because every guest we've had, once we, once whole, we hit yeah. stop, Off the there's air so much more. Yeah. yeah, so maybe we have like, you know, Still Love You Bro after. Yeah, it's at, like after show, yeah. Still yeah. Love You Bro after it, dark. It's also like an there experience. You so if you if you want to come on the show, just just look forward to the conversations we can have off the air. I, exactly. You know, it's it's nice and nice and refreshing, I think. Yep. So 
you know, you heard her peek in there and when we were talking to Alan, but Chloe is, is with us again and it is time for pop culture. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about something for today. What hey, you got? and I and I'm still in Tennessee. Yeah. So there's that. She's we're still, still here. here. We haven't run her away yet. That's Not awesome. Yet. No, Not no, yet. no. Okay, so um the first thing that I'm gonna talk about is and I apologize if I don't say her first name right, but it is my favorite time of every four ish years of the Olympics, Summer Olympics. I get so patriotic during this time. I forget about all the political stuff that's going on in our country because I just freaking love Team USA, especially um, gymnastics, swimming, like everything about that. Um, There is a controversy that happened a couple days ago um, that it's not technically pop culture, but it's something that I wanted to address. And it was uh, the Olympic track thrower, uh, Deanna Price. Um, And she won first place for the hammer throw uh, for the trials this past Saturday. Um, and she, uh, like broke several records. I don't have what records she broke, but she broke several records. Um, and just, she looked awesome. Like I just, I like, I, I had a kid on my team that was a hammer thrower and like, I didn't quite understand it, but when I watched her do it, I mean, she's yelling every time she lets go of it. And it was just the coolest thing to watch. Cause she just had so much passion. And like, you could tell she's been working so hard, just like all these other athletes. Um, but her victory was overshadowed by the third place, um, winner who I don't have the name of her, but, um, during the awards, uh, ceremony, obviously, as we know, there are, um, pedestals that they stand on. So first place is highest, second is, is, you know, in the middle and then third year in the lowest. Um, and the national anthem plays just as, uh, you know, normal, uh, the top three go and represent the United States from this event. And the first and second place winners uh, decided to do, you know, the normal thing of facing the flag and having their hands over their hearts. Um, and the third place uh, participant decided to Turned turn away. her back to yeah. the flag. Um, she also put on, she had a shirt. Uh, I don't know what it says, so I'm not going to say what it says because I can't remember, but it was some representation shirt that she put over her head. She didn't even put it on. She put it over her head. Um, and not a lot of people are talking about uh, Deanna or Deanna, um, you know, winning and, and getting to to have that moment. And just coming from an athlete, when you've worked that hard for something, it's just really difficult for something like that to like overshadow it. Yeah. The first place in Olympics is something I read this, that this popped up on my phone. I'm in the process of moving to Android. So there's a lot of things popping up on my phone and apparently Google news pops up now, which is great. But I saw that and they made a big deal about it and it pissed me off because it was, it completely overshadowed mm-hmm. that. You're absolutely right. I didn't even and she, think but the of that. Quote, yeah. What really pissed me off about it was the quote was something about, she said she was set up. Did I saw that, that too. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what that's about. I overheard. She said, this is an overheard thing, so this isn't official. But what I heard was that she said that they played the anthem on purpose, is what she said. And, and I just sat there. Of course they played the anthem on purpose. <laughs> it's the el- Of course they did. Jesse is lit. So, Holy. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about it, though, is that the Olympics. <laughs> we're I'm all- flabbergasted. <laughs> What We're do all you just mean? Dying. Oh. What do you mean they? Oh my gosh! I'm gonna. I don't. Right, know. I gotta let you continue because I, I could talk about that all day. I don't know if that's the official quote, but that Holy is what I. Cow. Oh my goodness! That's what we overheard. So the thing about it is, is that um, my thought is the the last Olympics um, that they had, uh, they had they added. Um, you know, you represent your country. So wherever you're from right, right, or wherever right. you're a citizen of, that's where you're going to represent. And they actually made a, it's not a country. <laughs> Chris, you're right there. 
Can you do your thing? Something just happened over here. And go ahead, Chloe. Chris, we about lost Chris through the floor there. That was the no, floor. No, this, this thing on the desk popped. <laughs> Sorry. It was this thing. Right. I was straightening it up. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chloe. No, so so um, they made a category separate for people who come from different countries that don't want to represent their country. Maybe there is a political turmoil or they don't, rep- oh, they don't want to, okay. they're just, they're from there, but they don't want to represent the country. Okay. And so, you know, I don't normally talk political, but for me, I just feel like if you don't want to do that, then go be in that sure. category. If you don't want to, if you don't want to stand there while the national anthem plays and re- be respectful towards it, there's another category for you. There is definitely another place for you. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, you know, man, I tell you what, what is really insulting to me about that is the whole reason she can do that is because of the United mm-hmm. States. It is because of what stands behind that flag and that anthem. So, and, yeah, what I will say is like, like as everybody that listens knows I am an athlete. So like, I understand you've worked so hard to be there for your sport. And like you just said, it's, it's your freedom, you know, your freedom of speech and your freedom of, you know, pretty much choice, um, in in this country to do that. And, um, you know, if that's how you want to play your sport, play your sport, I'm not going to like it. There's a lot of people who might like it or who might not, but like, you know, she still got third place. Like that's cool. But like, also don't overshadow other people that are yeah. like, I didn't even know the name of the first place applicant because everything I see. is Yeah. About that so story. for me, like I was always a person that put my team first when I was in school. So like, even if I won a tournament, I never posted about it. Like I would post about our team win or oh, our team got second, like and things like that. So I don't think the whole overshadowing the per the first place person was the message or like the, like I don't think it was malicious around that. I think it was just I want to do this to to show something, and I think that she felt like that was the best way to do it. She should have. I mean, she, I'm not. No, she's got a Twitter. I mean, tweet about that later. Yeah, don't I mean, make a big deal about it. It's, it. The Olympic. We need the Olympics right now. It's a feel good thing. We just we're coming out of a pandemic. The Olympics are wholesome. So we're take, more we're more divided than we have been in a very long time. Yeah, and, and take that to your Twitter. Right, not sure. at the award ceremony. That's my thought. And here's here's an interesting thought. You know, if it were any other country, especially a lot of the more of these countries that control their citizens, <laughs> someone did that. Man, they would have ran out in suits and grabbed her and pulled her. You know, into the back room. You would never heard from her yes. again. They would have had her replaced like that. Concrete but because, shoes. Man. Good thing because we that, are from there. Because that national anthem plays. Because that flag flies. You can do that. So congratulations. You're you're supporting the flag by supporting your own free speech. So that's boom, gotcha. So <laughs> something something else that's really interesting about the Olympics too is that obviously it was supposed to happen in twenty twenty. Um, because of COVID that obviously couldn't happen and, and just because um it's in Tokyo, so Japan's very germ like, I guess knowledgeable. Yeah, they're anti germ yes. for sure. And so like Chris. What's funny about it is if you uh, look at any of the merchandise, it is not going to say Tokyo 2021 because they had all of the marketing and all of the merchandise already made. And the logo was really, really cool because they put the the zeros the for the 2020 uh, with the Olympic rings. And so uh, they just decided oh, they're wow. just going to keep it Tokyo 2020 because so they don't want to change everything. Are we going to be one year behind on the Olympics from, from like here on out? Or? No, I think okay. that they're going to just continue. It'll be 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it won't be 2022 because it's every four years. Yeah, excuse me. So it's Sorry. 2024. <laughs> that tells you we're how much trying, I watch the Olympics. <laughs> so, um, 
My um, my movie update for the week is that the uh, trailer for the new Clifford the Big Red Dog movie came out today. Um, what? There's a bunch of people that were freaking out. It's I think it's live action, but the dog is animated. But the dog is actually really cute. I would hope so Shut because up. yeah, yeah. I watched that a lot when I was a kid. So did I. I this is great. I I'm also, off for the next two days, so I'm going to be reading. <laughs> This paper, and then I'm going to be watching Clifford. Oh, this is great. I also like. I had a neighbor named Emily Elizabeth growing up, so that's like, awesome. That was yeah. I so I saw that today, Clifford. and I was like, "Big red dog." Sorry. You know, we talked about media. <laughs> we talked about media last week, and and what Hollywood is doing. And I thought about it today too. And a lot of what Hollywood and and all these movie you know making um, producers and and companies are doing is really um, coming after our generation. You know. There are so many movies like Clifford. You know, you would, did that come out when you were younger? I was. A I didn't know older. how. Okay, I didn't know how. I didn't know if our version of Clifford was the original version. I, I don't even know. I didn't so, know there was two versions. I, don't so, know. So, I, I think, think it was a book first. Yeah. 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 So we grew, grew up on the series. I didn't yeah. grow up on the book. I grew up on the PBS series. Oh. So. <laughs> I'm going to shut up right now. <laughs> so, but like, but like they're taking, they know that we are older and they know that that is the market they're to go after out. because uh -huh. we are young. We have money. We don't, most of us don't have children right now. So we're able to go spend money at the box office and yeah. do that. And what was the word we learned about that last week? What is that? Dink. Oh yeah. Double dink. income, oh, no kids. Yeah. Yes. Double income, no kids. Yes. We're not technically married yet. So we're yeah, not dinks right. yet. You will be dinks not. soon. Did you hear that, uh, Alan? Does that not sound like a racial slur? I mean, it, it sounds yeah, horrible. Why did, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, it was. Yeah. He says no comment. It's, I'm not yeah, going to no go comment. That. Yeah, it sounded okay. like a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, that's so true. we have. Well, there um, goes our uh, our uh, no like our rating for what is it on where they always classify us as adult content or something. Yeah, once in a while. way to <laughs> go. Okay. Okay, so um, normally we do a game or something, and I just thought we would try. A fun game today for pop games. culture. This is awesome. So I found a pop culture quiz online. And I will tell you, Chris, you may know some of these, to be honest. Oh, I read through the first like four and I was like, these are actually pretty good. Um, so is this like all encompassing, like pop culture history too? Or what it's like, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like what decade? Like everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I may have a so, shot here. Wow. So the first one. It's pretty easy for, for quarantine people because we all experience this wave of... Um, the question is, who is who is the Tiger King? Uh, by name? I don't know. I can't you don't know his name. his name? I can't remember his name. Are you serious? I, I did watch it, but I can't wow. remember. All I know is Carol Baskin. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll, give you, I'll give you credit um, for that. Oh, gosh. I watched it. I was not right after I watched it, but I watched it. Um, <laughs> I had to watch it twice. What a pop culture following they I got know. too. Yeah, um, I'm, kidding. I'm um, never going to financially recover from this. No, I'm kind of, I'm kind of <laughs> proud of the fact that I forgot. Actually, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what is his name? His um, name is Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. yes, I was more interested yeah. in the controversy. Actually, what I was more interested in, I'm going to tell you how much of a, of a like a production nerd I am. It looked like because they were talking about how the the crew was there, like filming it. It wasn't more of like a documentary after the fact. Like they were doing that during, yeah. I mean, like live action because they crazy. have video of the, like the, the, his place burning. So yeah. like they must have been planted with him for a long time. I was expecting like a documentary, but they were planted with him they a long time. They, yeah. they yeah, originally cool. went to just do 
because the guy that directed it, he and his wife are like exotic pet owners. And so, but they do like reptiles and stuff, but they found out about Joe Exotic and um, all the other people, Doc Antle in, in South Carolina and, and all the exotic people. So they're like, we'll just go do a documentary about that. And so that's why the first couple episodes are literally just about Joe Exotic and his show. But once all the like court stuff and like all that stuff happens, that's all like real time to them. Oh yeah. Like they wouldn't leave because they're like, this is all happening right now. And none of that was for plan. And they got like, they got this information while it was happening. Yes. That's what I thought was really cool about it. Crazy. Yeah, I just, don't look at me. I'm <laughs> I did. You didn't watch it, did you? No, I didn't, I didn't think so. I, th- I haven't watched it yet. I, I haven't heard with, all the memes. I had to it, watch but, it twice because yeah. I watched it by myself the first time. She had to watch it once, and for then me. I watched it, and then I watched it again with your mom and your brother. Yeah, and your mom and I stayed up like all night one night watching it. it I was, was so funny. It, I guess the thing was during the whole pandemic, I was. Um, I feel like it was in like cryo sleep. I did not watch Netflix. I barely did. You also I was, were an EMT. At the I time. was working um, night shifts at as an EMT, and so <laughs> I never. I don't have a lot of memories from the whole initial pandemic thing. And Tiger King definitely was not one of them. So okay. I was asleep. <laughs> Are you ready for the next question? This might be a little bit harder with all the gentlemen in the room, but you never know. Bring it on. How many Spice Girls were there? Three. Incorrect. Oh. I think it was four. Pepper, Incorrect. Four. Like, not four. No. Five. I'm just gonna keep it going. was five. Yeah. Six. No, I'm just. I, all, I know, all I know is it. I'll, the only Spice Girl I know is Mel B. But that's just because she's on America's Got Talent. Wait, I can no, no. It was Pepper Spice, Super Spice, Fresh Spice. I have no idea. Wow, I was really off. I thought there was just three. Cinnamon nope. Spice. Yeah. Mel B. Rosemary Spice. That's all I know. Wow. Okay, this one will be pretty easy for you guys. Who was the self-made billionaire who made the first social media network? Oh, um, that's the guy who made Facebook. Or, yeah. Yes, that is um, correct. Um, no, wait. So I will say his name. Watched oh. the documentary and yeah. like somebody else said it was their idea, right? It's not Zuckerberg, is it? Yeah. Yes, Mark, it is Zuckerberg. Yeah. Yes. It, it, didn't somebody else claim, though, that they gave him the idea? Like, wasn't that in the... I didn't watch the documentary. Oh, everybody gave everyone else the idea. The yeah. Know, so. Okay. This one's pretty easy as well. Name one of the most popular streaming services to watch movies and TV shows on? There's two answers for this, if you answer either of them. Well, back in my day, it was Napster. You downloaded it. Oh, my goodness. I'm talking about right now. I'm surprised you didn't I'm get sorry. sued. I I'm going to say, about like, that Netflix? Yes, yeah. Netflix. Netflix and yeah. Hulu. Yep, that was Hulu. That's what he says, Hulu. <laughs> Have you listened long enough that that's how you pronounce it, right? <laughs> I'm hoping one day you guys will get the reference of that. You'll watch, you'll watch the show. Uh, and then you'll be like, oh, I know why Chris says Hulu. You're going to have to like give us hints later then. Yeah, well, we have on, no on another episode. All right. Okay. So this has a um, somewhat of a Tennessee vibe behind it. But who is Miley Cyrus related to? Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> Billy Ray. Know this? Yes. Yeah, come on. Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray. Okay. I don't but th- I didn't know that was Hannah Montana. I had no idea that that was the same <laughs> you person. You really got long- sucked into that lie. Yeah. <laughs> No, I really didn't either when I was a kid. Are you serious? I had no idea. No, I straight Did you up, never watch the show? I did, but... I, I How mean, did you not know that? I think I'm when confused. I first watched it in the beginning, it was like, or at least heard of her in the beginning. You know, it was like yeah. they were different people, but... That's hilarious. No, no, I learned. <laughs> I recently started rewatching that, and I was telling... Um, I was telling my father-in-law, I was like, it's so bad how much, like, they made fun of Southern people. Like, they they literally were talking about Nashville, and they'd be having all this Southern draw that didn't sound real at all. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This doesn't even sound real. (laughs) The funny thing is, is 
the people from Nashville were laughing at that as well. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, let's see if you learned something a few episodes ago. I don't think you'll remember this person's name, but you might. Jeffree Star is the name. Oh, sorry. Let me rephrase that. Jeffree Star is on what streaming platform? YouTube. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Good job. You know what he does? He makes YouTube videos. Okay, but what type of YouTube videos? <laughs> oh, no. I just know we talked about him before. That's why I brought it up. It wasn't in the final edit, I don't think. Oh, yeah. it wasn't? No, no, oh, no, no, no. I was, apologize. No, so I heard really it like twice. It. You yeah. said it there on the show go. and then I edited it out. But I don't There you remember. go. So he is like a makeup, like, beauty cosmetologist person. Oh, did he you have a story vlogs. about him? Maybe it did. I thought you, th- uh, yeah. I can't remember if he's the one that crashed his car or not. There was two of them. That's, anyway, that's the golfer. We'll continue. <laughs> no, that yeah, Tiger did also. That's crash not the his same car. realm of. There was like the next week. My different, entire different kind of celebrity there. I'm going to give this away. My entire pop culture knowledge revolves around Chloe coming in here. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Okay, which star? This also was talked about on the show. Which star famously divorced musical artist Kanye West in 2021? I looked I'm, at Jesse really quick. I'm waiting on you to answer. I'm not going to. I'm acting like I know, but I'm I actually gonna don't. I'm going to give a hint. <laughs> I'm going to give a hint. She was Kim famous. Kim Kardashian. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, I was going to say. I thought she you guys was. were acting like you didn't know. <laughs> yes. Acting. Yeah, we were acting yeah. like we didn't know. We were giving That's you an opportunity to <laughs> Totally. Answer. We knew it. We were just wanting you to answer. That's it. Okay. Um, what actor, you'll probably get this, Alan. What actor starred as Freddie Mercury in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? I don't know the guy's name. He was in Robot, the TV yeah. series Robot. I can't think of his... Uh, uh, that's not coming to me. It's Rami Malek. Rami Malek. Yeah. He looks just like him. I know. It's crazy. Did you hear what he did with the fake Freddie, Freddie Mercury teeth afterwards? No. He had them cast in gold because Whoa. he was like, I had to think of the most Freddie Mercury thing to do with them because it was the one thing I got to keep because mm-hmm. they molded that's him cool. to his teeth. Right. And so he he carries them in his pocket That's everywhere really cool. he goes now. Okay, wow. did, so... Did did he actually sing in that yes. too? He so that's how, his voice. He learned how to play all the music, how to sing. They obviously like digitally edited Freddie's voice sound, into it. Yeah, yeah. But like when you watch like the Auto-tuned. Live Aid, the, I've watched the side by side. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, that is the coolest thing. That is like, and they it was it was. I've watched the behind the scenes, and it's crazy how much I think about it because I'm in this industry, and I'm just like. I could not memorize every movement he made and everything was exact. Like the way that he clicks the piano and the props people on that, on that set were incredible. They had the same amount of Pepsi cups. They were sitting the same way. Everything was the same. And I, and the same thing was kind of with the, um, with the rocket man movie as well, especially with the live performances that were based off of, um, I really, if they made more movies like that, man, I really think that could be a huge hit because, the the it takes a lot of talent to put together. Mm-hmm. And I really think people recognize it. I mean, like you said, everything being in the right place, but they also had a little bit of liberty between shots. Like mm-hmm. if you look, there are a few shots that happened that weren't actually recorded, but they're so like uh, they're so expected. They're so like the real yeah. thing. You're like, well, that must have actually happened because that's how it would have happened because it makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, and the coolest part about Bohemian Rhapsody was that the some of the original members of the band like actually were producers and they were on set to tell stories of, Hey, this is what it was like from my perspective. And that's where some of those other shots Mm -hmm. come from because they'd be like, yeah, I would do this while I play my guitar. And so they'd show Brian playing his guitar at a certain shot, even though at Live Aid, that wasn't the main thing Mm -hmm. because obviously everybody was watching Freddie because who doesn't watch Freddie Mercury when he performs? 
I had a kid in a golf clinic ask me who Freddie Mercury was. <laughs> that broke my heart. Rip. Just like, what the heck? Chris, okay. are you doing your part? Does your kid know who Freddie Mercury is? I, yeah. he, he's, I, I just saw him back in the control room, so I, he's listening, so I'm not going to say. Will know. Um, he will know. We will, we will report <laughs> next episode. He doesn't like good music. Um, we'll put it that way. Boo. Okay. I have a question for you guys. What was the title of the last Harry Potter movie? Jess will not know this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I won't actually. I'm married to the one of the ex biggest fans of Harry Potter, and I can't tell you either. Oh man, Hallows is that exactly Hallows? Yes, that is correct. Okay, there you go. That's ding correct. ding ding. Wow. Now the coolest thing well, about that, I was I'm thinking just, like the Sorcerer's Prison or some no. other like. Oh, you mixed up two of them. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, my I know. goodness. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Harry Potter fans. <laughs> the, the coolest oh, thing man. about this film, um, first off, Harry Potter's what we what Jess and I's generation grew up on and, and we would go to midnight premiere. Everybody to go see but it. me. <laughs> Everybody but you, yes. But um the last film, the way that the marketing team did things, it, like this there has not been another fandom, another film franchise that has been this way off of a book. Now Marvel's kind of close, but it's kind of separate because we've had Marvel for a while. And it's not something that we keep rebooting. Um, in the last film of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two, none of the posters had anything but the pictures of the characters and the date that the movie came out. There was no title on it. There was no, like other than the date that the movie came out, there's no information on it. And every person they said, every person can identify what movie that was when mm. they walked by it. Wow. Even people who weren't fans. I guarantee Jess, even though you hadn't seen it because of how much it was in our culture, mm. you could have looked at it and been like, yeah, that's Harry Potter. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, today absolutely. when I was trying on glasses and I sent you that picture of those round glasses and the <laughs> yeah. first thing you said is, is that Harry, like Potter? Harry Potter? But you have never seen it. <laughs> nope. And so it's just like, that's something it's synced into the culture culture wise. Yeah. That's that, the marketer's dream. Though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. People that don't even follow your content immediately associate it. I mean, that's like calling, you know, a soda Coke, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just natural now or, or tissues Kleenex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what it is. So. Brilliant. Okay. I have one more. I don't know if this one will be easy, but it's newer. So I thought maybe what black Panther star died at an early age this past year. Oh, I don't know his name, but I know I know what you're talking about. Chadwick Bosman. That is correct. Look at that. He also got snuffed at what was it, the Oscars this year? I can't remember if Did it was Oscars, get an Oscar? but it was for he, yeah. Yeah, because um Sir Anthony Hopkins won yeah. and they thought that he would win, but uh They he the didn't. thing there was a big controversy around it because the Oscars were bumping up acting like, you know, Chadwick was gonna get it. It was kind of the same I think it I can't remember from my perspective, but it was kind of the same as when Heath Ledger was, was um, nominated. You know, we all kind of knew like, Hey, that he's going to, you know, win it. And so, but they literally, they moved the categories around um, purposely because the last like 10 years, the Oscar ratings have gone down tremendously. Like, I don't even know how they're still on. Well, because it's, it's rich people, but they're still <laughs> on TV, but like um, they were, you know, making a big deal. They would say his name. They had commercials about him. And you're saying they're like, okay, yeah, he's going to win. And they moved the, that specific award to the end so that you would continue to watch because obviously so if his wife, yeah. if his wife gets up there and gives a speech, you want to hear it. And like Alan just said, Sir Anthony Hopkins won. Sir Anthony Hopkins has won several Oscars and awards already. And I, he wasn't even, they wouldn't let him do a speech. I believe is what I heard 
Was they wouldn't they, let him do a speech? Yeah, he wasn't there because they did the whole digital thing too. You could be oh, there yeah, or you couldn't. That. And he's old, so I understand. Yeah, yeah. But like, they wouldn't let him do a speech from his home. So they just announced it and then it was over. And it was just Talk like... Talk about a letdown. That exactly. sounds horrible. So um, I'm not trying to hate on the Academy because there's plenty of things to... You know, say good things about the academy. So one thing, one day you might want to thank the academy. You know, I know, so. that would be awesome. That'd be great. <laughs> but um, you know, it's just I wanted to give a little tidbit about every question that we that I asked, and it it's just hard when you know when you have an actor, especially an actor who was very talented like Chadwick. I mean, he was it was crazy because even though he he became Black Panther, so that was kind of the staple of, of who he was at that point for especially kids and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like when he did serious roles and when he when he did when he got into a character, especially the Jackie Robinson movie was a really good example of that. He was really true to the character and he wasn't trying to sell a movie. He was trying to be a character, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on this podcast That's, before. I, I mean, I don't know a lot. I don't follow a lot of actors, but. I've always been so fascinated with character actors mm-hmm. specifically because I'm I'm in, I'm infatuated with how they throw themselves into their role. I've I've re- I, you watch some of the scenes of the Heath Ledger Joker and you're mm-hmm. like I don't this who is this this is the Joker that's there's nobody below that but the Joker yeah but it's Heath Ledger and I think I think one of the actors that's like one of the best to look at that and there's not a, I think Christian Bale's a little bit too extreme. He does all that crazy stuff like he loses like billions of pounds of weight and then gains it all back. But like one of the best character actors is Matthew McConaughey. I think he's very underrated for that because he literally, I remember I watched one of the first Matthew McConaughey movies I watched was We Are Marshall, which is a football movie about a, based off a true story of a, uh, is it a high school team? It's either a high school or small college team, that uh, football team that gets in a plane crash and, and they all die. And this is a true story. And so oh, he has to be oh, the coach man. that comes back and revives this team. And I remember my my dad's a big football guy and we were sitting there watching it and he had made a point to my stepmom. He was like, um, he goes, wow, like he's talking out of the side of his mouth. Like that must have been what the coach did. And at the time I was like a 10 year old kid. So I was like, no, you know, maybe the actor just does that. But then you watch like Dallas Buyers Club and he bought into that character as well. And you watch Interstellar, which I know you've seen, Jess. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's like he bought into that character as well. And so it's like, I think he's one of the more underrated. Now, it doesn't help that he like doesn't wear deodorant and he like does Lincoln, <laughs> does Lincoln commercials like that doesn't help. I mean, that helps financially, but yeah, yeah. but like he really gives into the character, but it's not like Christian Bale, which I respect every bit of Christian Bale's career and everything like that. But when you're like making yourself 90 pounds by just eating a can of tuna every day and everybody thinks it's like CGI, that's, that's a little overboard for me. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's commitment. You know, if you, if you have a, a role to fill and the fact that someone can literally alter their body to better fit the role is, is so fascinating to me. So, I mean, I, all, all, all glory to them. I'm like, that's amazing. So, and I don't, I don't even know half their names. <laughs> I've always been told growing up, your your work is to find your work, and with all your yep. heart, give yourself yeah. to it. it. And that is wow, like completely yeah. change your body for your job and yep. everything. That's crazy. Yep. yep. So, and it's from a person who's who's directed. I've always wanted to work with people like that. Like, there's, I've only kind of scratched college level, you know, commitment. But I will say, some of them might be listening. But but the cast of my senior show. Like they gave everything to that show and that's what made it really they special. Did. 
that's did. that's what made it really really special it made it like a really unique experience and i've gone on and worked on other things that nobody wanted to be there for and it was a miserable experience and like i want to find those people that are committed mm-hmm. you know yeah. now i don't want you to like almost die and have to go to the hospital <laughs> because you're overcommitted. <laughs> but like you know it's like you said if you're going to go into it do it 100 yeah, percent. if absolutely. it's a passion because if, if you don't do it 100 percent, it's not a passion yeah well, this has been a really interesting show. I, we've touched on so many different topics, and I, I'm, I'm just, I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be our longest episode, and, and we're cool with that yeah. because, uh, yeah. you know, you, you can pause it and go to work and then listen to it when you come back out of work. Totally worth it, I think, yeah. And, and I, I know there's several that listen that have a long drive frequently, and so they listen to this um, podcast, and... Well, here you go. Here's one that you can leave on a cliffhanger when you, yeah. when you make the drive again. Thank or, you for listening. If yeah. you're going Thanks on vacation and you're driving to Colorado, which is a 24-hour drive, let us know in advance and we'll make you a 24-hour podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe we can make a super edit. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> Do you we even what? have 24 hours worth of podcasts? No, just go back from episode one, hit play, and listen to it again. <laughs> Wow. The automated well. Well, we want to thank our guests today, Alan and Chloe. Thank you also for coming in. Uh, it's been a blast. Absolutely. Make sure to please like and follow us on our socials. Uh, shoot us an email if you have a show idea. I am Chris at stillloveyabro.com. I am Jess, J-E-S-S-E, at stillloveyabro.com with a Y-A. With a Y-A. I'm going to let you spell your own oh, today, Chloe. Oh, thank you. Hi, <laughs> my email is Chloe at stillloveyabro.com, and my name is spelled C-H-L-O-E. Just in case you didn't listen to the last episode, there's something to look for. <laughs> shoot us show ideas, requests. If you'd like to come on as a guest, let us know. We'll be glad to have you. Yep, Otherwise, absolutely. good talking to you. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye.